Good evening. How's everybody feeling? Sunday night. Hello. We could be a lot of other places and you're here. Wasn't our worship band incredible? Why don't we give them a big old clap? They were through the roof. And I want to give uh, credit to where it's due. Forgive me. i got a bunch of notes here. Uh, but uh, can we give all of our volunteers, all of our people that are doing our media, our sound, all of our ushers and everybody helping your kids. Come on. Give them a big old clap. Pastor, I know like you guys feel the same way. So much, you know, gratitude in my heart, you know, for 40, uh, for 25 years almost now, 48 countries, you have so much appreciation when people are doing things right with excellence, taking care of your kids. How many know your kids like mine are 99% angels and 1% crazy? Come on, you know they are. So when you drop off your kids, come on, in the children's department, you know sometimes what's about to happen. You know there's a little rambunctious one inside there. Make sure tonight, whenever you go back there and those people that have been with your kids for an hour and a half of their time, make sure you love on them. If you can be generous to them or hook them up with a coffee or give them a hug and tell them how much you appreciate them, would you do that tonight? Because that's a really, really cool thing that they're investing their time and their energy to help your kids know God and have a great, great future. So with that being said, I want to make sure that you honor them tonight. Uh, ben, thank you for being with me. How many years now? I lose track. 17 years together uh, on the road. That's, yeah, and it sounded like we were like <laughs> married or something. I met Ben and his wife um, in a really situation kind of like this. And there had been a girl I happened a chance to pray for, deaf since birth. And her ears opened up for the very first time in her life in front of her mother and dad. And it was an incredible moment. And after, uh, God really opened up an opportunity to minister to Ben's wife where she got healed. And through the whole matter, we became relational, and then we became friends. And so it's been the most cool thing. He only lived about maybe about two miles away from me. That over the last 17 years, we've been able to travel all over the world. And Ben's been with me internationally and nationally and helped uh, you know, to touch people in a really cool way. And I love that because Ben was a hard worker. His parents were immigrants into America, and they really wanted to give their kid a better life. And Ben was the one that broke the mold in his family. He broke poverty off his family. He broke infirmity off his family. He broke Catholicism and all religiosity. And he said, man, I want to touch God. And as a result, he's broken the barrier of his own family. How many know you could be that one? where they begin to believe God and they get help. So I'm so grateful for him. And everywhere I go, he just makes everybody better. He's a psychologist. So the power of God was something totally different for him because he was left brain and he sees everything through that, works for the police department. And the most highest uh, difficult cases in where we live in California and makes an incredible God impact. And I'm really, really proud to be my best friend. He's been with me everywhere. He's been with me in hype moments, challenging moments. And uh, give Ben a big old clap tonight. Ben is the real deal. Okay, if you have a Bible, I'm gonna go quick, and then I'm gonna start praying for people. I'm ready to go. Let's get this thing on the road. You ready to go? All right, something big's gonna happen, as Pastor said. And before I go, can I just say, Man, if I lived in this area, and this is no, uh, no motive in it, hopefully you see that I, I can't be bought. <laughs> I promise you I can't be bought. I've been offered a lot to shut my mouth on the power of God to just do radio and TV and do Hollywood. They've told me, I was sitting there with Reese Witherspoon over here and James Kahn, 
And they said, hey, we want to put you with Ryan Seacrest. We'll give you this, 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 and this. The only thing is you can't do is you can't pray for sick people and talk about the miracles of God. Then I said, you got the wrong dude. But Rex, why would you walk away from so much money? Prince is going to come hear you speak tonight. All these things are going to happen. I go, I can't be bought. I already said yes to a calling before you could ever offer me a deal. And I say that because I'm, what I'm going to preface this is if I lived in this area, I would be honored to put myself under the leadership of your pastors, Pastor Mike and Rhonda. I would put my wife and my daughter under the presence of this leadership because what I've seen and what I've seen in you and gotten to know in you a little bit while I've been here this time and a couple months back is things underneath their leadership flourish. Things grow, people get better, people get healed, they get better, they experience Jesus and they're more passionate. I love spending time with your pastors, so it's a real honor to be in this church tonight. I say that because it's the absolute truth. Aren't you grateful for your pastors? Give it up for them. Come on. Show them some love. Plus, he's going to be 40 years old in a couple weeks. Let's go. Is it true, Pastor? Your 40th birthday is coming up. Hey, man, I love that. Come on. Getting older is a privilege. Getting old is a choice. I'm forever young. I'm 67, I've had no plastic surgery. They say if you look to the Lord, you become radiant and your face isn't covered with shame. Only a couple wrinkles and a couple sunspots. Come on, not bad. All right, Hebrews chapter 11 on the right-hand side. And I'm gonna give you a challenge right off the bat this week. Anybody like a challenge or a homework assignment? Even if you're like 40-something or 50-something, come on. I'm gonna give you a challenge that you'll read Hebrews 11. It's only 40 verses every day this week that you will read it out loud. Just take a time to read it. It'll take you about five minutes. How many know that would be a good investment in your life? If you don't got five minutes, come on, you don't have a life. If you don't got 15 minutes to spend with God on a holy ground, don't expect to win on the battleground over emotions, negativity, negative thoughts. Come on. How many know the stronger you are on the holy ground, the better you are on the battleground of life? You make better decisions. You may have better wisdom. You don't get caught in the immediate. You stay kind of focused on what's ultimate. So I say that is Hebrews 11 this week. I encourage you to read it because it will really encourage you and expand you and enlarge you on the inside. And I encourage you to read it out loud because the Bible says faith comes when you hear God's word. Isn't that good? Hebrews 11:32 says this. What more should I say? Time would fail to tell of a guy named Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah. Bless his heart. His, kids, his parents named him Jephthah. Bless his heart. <laughs> Also, David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith, someone say through faith, say like you got juice, say, say faith, they conquered kingdoms, they worked righteousness, they obtained what there was promised on their life. Ooh, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't you like to obtain what's promised on your life? They quenched the violence of fire, they escaped the edge of the sword, they came out of weakness into strength. Ooh, I love that. In other words, they started in weakness, but through faith, they became powerful. And they became powerful in battle, and they conquered their armies of their enemies. Ooh, this is going to be good tonight. I wanted to say this, um, if I was on Titleist for 10 minutes, and I'm going to just jump in. Faith that works. Faith can change your world. How many believe that's true? Anybody believe that's true? Scientifically it's true, but spiritually it's true. Scientific is catching up to what's spiritual. How many know it's true? Because this world exists by the word of God and God's created the world by faith. Jesus talked about faith can move mountains out of your life. 
Through faith, you can get better physically, better emotionally. Faith can change your family. A man came and said, my son is having seizures, and his disciples could not help the guy. So Jesus came down, and they said, hey, help, I need help. And he says, the reason it's not happening is because there's so much unbelief. And the unbelief was you only use faith for a little bit of time, and then you quit, and then you stop before the miracle happened. Isn't that interesting? And then that man says, well, help my unbelief. And he says, and Jesus healed him. His faith changed his family. A woman at Nain in Luke 7, she was carrying her dead son out during the middle of his funeral. And in the middle of his funeral, she refused to close the coffin, which was against legal rules in Jewish law. But she kept the coffin open. In other words, until I put my son in the ground, until that's all over, I'm not going to give up, quit believing for a miracle. How many know when you believe for family members, don't close the coffin before you have time to give God the opportunity to resurrect? something. Resurrection isn't a season, it's a spirit. That was good. Good boy. Good job, young man. Finally, faith can change your economy. Change your, Jesus told Peter to launch out in the deep. We went there a little bit this morning. And when he launched out, he had an abundance. And Joey, the guy that was speaking up here this morning to the offering, what a phenomenal job he did. What a great leader, by the way. And when he was speaking this morning, he talked about Jesus told Peter where to go get the taxes. Wouldn't that be awesome with all of our crazy taxes, with all of our government? Like Jesus like, yo, go down by the Walmart. Come on, hang a right. Go into Harvest Alexandria Church. Come on, somebody. You're going to find it underneath your seat. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be dope? But the Bible says that God does give you the power to create and to make wealth. Wealth isn't a bad thing. Motive's a bad thing. How many know that's true? Riches are what you have, but wealth is who you are. When you understand wealth is who you are, you won't get it too attached to things because you're going to leave them to somebody else. I hope you have a lot of things. I really do, but I hope you have so much wealth in you that things never own you, but you own them. Come on. You run them, and they don't run you. But Jesus talks about, talked about constantly that faith can change your world. So if I was to give you a couple ideas in this before I step out, and this will stir you up a little bit, is number one, faith believes. Someone say believes. The only future you and I have is the one that you and I believe in. All breakthroughs and miracles begin with a change of beliefs. Why? Because beliefs guide, you guide your t energy of time, talent, energy. You begin to, it'll either lift you or limit you. How many know that's true? How many know your beliefs play a central part? If you believe tonight that something great's gonna happen, you're gonna be looking for it, hey? If you believe like, eh, I'm gonna be cynical, all jaded and super like negative, how many know God will pass you by because he don't hang out with negative people? In fact, you wanna be a friend to God, you're gonna have to become positive because God don't hang with negative people. He might love you, but he'll be at a distance because he don't hang out where he's not wanted and God's always positive, he's hope. You can't get around him and not be in a good mood. If you ain't around him, you're in a religious spirit, not a Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's very, very happy. Why? Because he knows he can make a miracle out of a mess. In fact, most miracles are messy. That's why most people don't have a theology that works for them because they see, oh my gosh, it's so messy, it's dirty, there's mistakes, there's junk. God's not intimidated by all that. Most miracles happen in the middle of messes. Your messes don't disqualify you. What only disqualifies you is I refuse to believe something good can happen. Paul the Apostle prayed in Ephesians 1. He didn't say that God deliver them from all their troubles. He said give them the knowledge and understanding that they have the power that raised Jesus from the dead. If they'll believe it, then they can overcome it by the power of God that's within you. Why is that so powerful? Because Jesus constantly talked about what you receive is connected to what you believe. 
If I was to help you master a metaphor and I was to be, uh, like if I was at a Tony Robbins event and I'd do that, I would do three things. I would tell you, number one, your metaphor or your belief of life determines how much of life you enjoy. If life is a race, man, you're busy. Why? Because your beliefs determine what you value. If life is a race, man, I'm always rushing. I'm always busy. I'm always zooming past all the blessings and people in my life. What are you doing? You ever ask people like, oh, I'm busy. What are you accomplishing? I don't know. I'm just flipping busy. Anybody know anybody that way? You ever been that way besides me? Come on, I'm the, I would be the first hypocrite said if I wasn't like that before. All right, one honest gentleman in the back. Come on, get him a Slurpee. Come on, in the cheap seats. I like you already. You're the truth teller. Okay, if life is a battlefield or a battle, oh my goodness, has not Facebook and Instagram and the news media taught us to demonize everybody that doesn't exactly agree with 100% of your mind? Ooh, life's a battle, so now you're, ooh, what's the motive? How are they going to hurt me? What's wrong with them? Why are they like that? How many know great things ain't going to happen with that kind of an attitude? Because your attitude determines the seasons you enter, and it determines what comes towards you or what moves away from you. When I was with Tiger Woods, walking with Tiger Woods when he was on top of the world as a golfer, Tiger Woods would walk, and there'd be thousands of people around him, and he would talk to himself the whole time. He would be walking to the hole. You're Tiger Woods. You're the greatest golfer in the world. Your daddy, he would just talk to himself. Your daddy told you. Your daddy showed you how to hit this shot. When you go up here, you're going to act like you really are. You're the greatest golfer in the world because you're Tiger Woods. So you go in here and you hit this at a 45-degree angle, and you shock the world with how good you are. How many know he acted way different than most golfers? But how many know his attitude led him to succeed way beyond most golfers? Ooh, this is good. Watch how powerful this is. If life is a battlefield, you're always looking for what's wrong. Always cynical. You're not going to find good if you're looking for what's wrong. Oh, my gosh, if life is just a, uh, a playing experience where everything is just a party, and you haven't met anybody that way? Come on, they're the happiest person for like a moment. Come on. They accomplish nothing in life, but life's a party for them. They're always looking for their next exciting thing. You ever met anybody that way? I know people that way. They're broke. <laughs> Come on. They're living at home with their mama, and they're 46. Come on, somebody. But life's a party. Really? You just play fantasy football and sports? That's your life? I don't know about you. That's a life unlived. Because someday you're going to have to stand before God and go, what did you do with what I gave you? That's going to be a little bit nerve-wracking for all of us, let alone if you didn't do jack with what he gave you. He didn't ask you to be faithful with somebody else's life. He has to be faithful with your own life. Come on. But what if life became and believed about life? It was a sacred gift. I wonder how grateful for you could be. Before the night's over, 300,000 people in the world are going to pass. They'll take their last breath. Wow, one million people passed in the last six days and you're here. Imagine if life became a sacred gift about how much gratitude and grace could begin to exude from your life. And how many know gratitude, thank you, is a password, the scripture says, into the very presence of God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Do you want to know the quickest way to see increase in your prayers? Most people pray out of anxiety, not out of anticipation. Therefore, they don't get their answers. Watch, can I show you something really cool? And then I'll give you a little challenge that'll stop all the suffering for you. It's really, really nice. Watch. Jesus didn't say, God, I know you can heal him. I know you can provide out of the little boys five loaves and two chicken things from KFC. Come on. I know you can do it. He wasn't trying to convince the father to go big. God was big whether he joined him or not. He don't need your prayers to do big. 
All he got to do is have a heart that receives. Most people are praying, I know you can do it, God. I know you can do it. Like, duh, check out his resume. I parted the sea, bam. Come on, somebody. I spoke and there was Pluto. Come on up there in the sky. Bam, I created Abraham. Bam, I gave him a child when he was 100 years old without Viagra. Bam, I opened up her womb. Bam, I overshadowed a Mary, and she gave birth, and she was a virgin. I'm a God that does miracles. You can't help it. I always like to say, if you don't need miracles, you don't need the God of the Bible because he's constantly putting them out. You should serve another God. Try Allah. He doesn't do any miracles. In fact, his own Quran 21 times says Jesus does miracles. Therefore, if you tell Muslim friends of mine about Jesus doing miracles, they'll believe you. They believe Jesus can heal more than Christians believe Jesus can heal. They just don't believe he's the Savior yet because they don't have a revelation of it. But if he can heal the body, he can heal the spirit. Somebody give the Lord a clap and a shout. That's good. If life became a sacred gift, you'd become so grateful. The atmosphere of your life will begin to shift. Watch how powerful. What if you thank God for who he is, what he's done, and what you anticipate him to do without ever asking anything for the next seven days? Oh, for some of the religious people in here that have just taught, oh, brother, it is written. The Lord says, ask and you shall receive it. Your joy may be full. That's 100% true. But imagine if you thanked him for everything he is. Thank him for everything he's done for you. How many know that list is exhaustive? You get better than you give. How many know that's true? And when you inventory all the goodness and you begin to thanks, Psalm 67, five through seven, one of my favorite things I ever studied, saw in the Bible. As they gave thanks and praise, then, then, someone say then. Someone say like you got juice, say then. Nudge the person next to you, say then. Come on, watch. Then God released increase. Anybody want increase in anything in their life? Three of you, the rest of you are all cool. Is that four-letter F word messing you up all the time that you're fine? How's your marriage? It's fine. How's your health? Oh, my gosh, it's fine. How's your relationship with Jesus? It's fine. That four-letter F word messes you up in the cuss word. Why? Because it doesn't hurt enough to do something about it, and it's not great enough to praise God for it, so you settle for being domesticated and being fine. Never settle for fine. Either be in a place of desperation or gratitude and praise for how good God's been and nice to you and didn't reward you according to what you deserve. Everyone's looking at the guy, look at the camera guy. He's rocking it out up there. I love this. Are you videotaping me and my mama watching tonight? Come on. Hey, I got it from my mama. Check it out. Watch. Life became a sacred gift. So you believe, but now you'll receive a miracle. Let me help you for a minute. Faith that receives. To receive means to take one into possession, to take something and make it your own. Every miracle that I've seen that people really got from Jesus, they had to get aggressive. They had to work something. They had to do something. Even the word aggressive means to initiate forceful action. They didn't wait and sit on their laurels because faith without works is only an idea. Faith works when you work it. Come on. Let me work it. Let me work it. Come on, somebody. Some of you young people understood that song right there. Watch. What do you mean by that? Without work, faith is only an idea. That's why the Bible calls it a working of miracles as a gift of the Spirit. You got to work the miracle. My friend Miles Monroe said this very thing. He's an ambassador of the Bahamas. He's in heaven today. He wrote over 70 books, brilliant, brilliant man. We spoke at many, many business conferences. And he said this, Rex, a miracle's not a miracle to God. I go, tell me more. 
a miracle is a process of God that you decided to work, and then God speeds up the process because you joined him in what he was working out already. Oh, this is good. That means it's not a one-shot. Pastor Mike prays for you. You fall on the ground, and you get up in there. No, no, you were working a process that God just sped up. If you watch, because the hands of the believers laid on hurting people, they shall recover. That was the process. You worked the process, and then God sped up the process. Oh, that means that even if you've been waiting for a couple years and battling through things, there's no meaningless times that you're ever lifting your hands, even if it's a sacrifice of praise. Even when it hurts to pray because you haven't seen the thing that you're believing for. When you're working your land, you will see an abundance. God didn't tell Noah, believe me a boat, pray me a boat, prophesy me a boat. He said, build me a flipping boat. Come on, somebody. Do I got any builders in here? Some of you men, come on. We're going to take your faith off a starvation diet and feed that sucker. Hey, why do you got so much energy? How could I not? You hang out with God. He's full of energy. Omnipotent, they call him. Always potent and powerful. I've been with him. It should reflect, shouldn't it? Not bad for a guy that got kicked out of Bible school because he cussed too much. Some of you like that right there. You're like, there's hope, baby. I told you, I told you. See, look at what God did for that guy. Look at it. He used to say all kinds of bad stuff. And now look at it. There's hope. Hopefully it does give you hope because God takes shaky people and gives them sturdy projects. He takes weak people and makes them strong. There is hope for you. Watch how powerful. When you get aggressive, things change. Think aggressive. You want to see your faith go next? Think aggressive. Jesus taught in Luke 14. If you tend to build a house or build a church, plan if you're able to build. In other words, think aggressively. Think ahead. How many know your thinking changes your life, positive or negative? Most of the battles we lose are where? Not in our circumstances, but in our mind. No mental illness. 88% of all mental illness has nothing to do with your genes or what's going on around you. How you interpret facts in your life. How you perceive them and the meaning you attach is where you live from and determines whether you have wellness or illness. I can change my meaning I attach to something, and my meaning can mean I can have a breakthrough rather than a breakdown. I can have a new beginning rather than an ending. I could be on my way to a miracle rather than misery. Our friend of ours who joined us two days ago in the business thing, uh, a gentleman, Matt, his, his daughter had been diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, incurable disease in the womb. He called me before he called his wife to tell her the doctor called. And he goes, what are we going to do? My wife's going to fall apart. She fell apart. She, she fell apart when we had another challenge in our family. She's going to fall apart. And I was driving down Las Vegas Boulevard to speak at an event. And I, all of a sudden, this idea came to me. I go, Matt, what are you going to call her? Imagine if your little girl right now could hear you in your wife's womb. Would you label her a disease? Would you call her a virus? Would you call her a death sentence? Or would she beg you, Daddy, please believe in me. Please believe that I can be a miracle. Please believe I can be a destiny. Don't treat me like a disease. Don't treat Give me the meaning. To give me a chance, Dad. Believe that I can be something. If God birthed me into, your, into my mama's womb, at least allow me the opportunity to be with something that God created. Don't just put a death sentence and a cap on my life. So he called his wife and he says, you know what we're going to do, babe? We're going to raise a miracle, not a disease. 
That means that we're going to give even, if we have to do medical things, we're going to raise a child that has, that's known as, she's a miracle child. He's a disease-free child. Can I tell you today, that little girl is nine years of age. She just blew, and I have that on my phone, blew a 114 out of her lungs. Her and her brother, the only two cases in America that have been declared completely healed of cystic fibrosis ever by their Muslim doctor because God changes things, but nothing would have changed till he changed the meaning he attached. If you're caring for a disease, you've got to care for it with depression. So laborious, pastor. Have you ever noticed that God don't join your pity parties? Because pity parties make an idol of your pain, and the devil's the one that sent the pain. And God refuses to worship what the devil sent your way. Therefore, when you get out of pity and jump into power, and you begin to praise God, he inhabits praise, not pity. You can't be pitiful and powerful. How do you know? Because I know what it's like to want to sit there and nurse my wounds, curse them, come on, and rehearse them. Anybody in there before? Even the man of faith. Yeah, I know what it's like to feel like hell and have to stand up here and help other people get breakthroughs and work through junk in my own personal life. I'm not bulletproof and I don't like standing and acting like it's not. You go through things in this life. But I also know there's a way out. If I sit in pity, God won't show up because I'm worshiping the pain in my feelings rather than him. But things shift, watch, because you're not what you feel, you're what you decide. Oh, let me say that again. How many know you could be angry, happy, and horny in about five minutes? You just thought that was weird because I said horny. Somebody did something to get you here. Come on, somebody. All I'm saying, it's called the law of creation. Hello, somebody. Smile, even if you got four teeth. Try it. Hey. Why do you say that? Just because you feel something doesn't mean you have to act on it. That's why the Holy Spirit gave you self-control. Just because I feel bitter doesn't mean I have to be bitter. Just because I feel stingy doesn't mean I need to live stingy. Just because I feel selfish doesn't mean I have to be selfish. How many know you're never what you feel, you're always what you decide? And if your mind can make a heaven out of hell or a hell out of heaven, wouldn't it be wise to make your mind work for you rather than against you? As a man or woman thinks in their hearts, so do they become? Oh my gosh, I want to think creatively, guide my mind in the way according to the scripture. How would I do that? Change your question, you change your life. How many know Jesus said, whatever you ask, you re? Okay, four people know that scripture. That was dope. Okay, pastor, we're going to have to work on that one. Matthew 7, 7. Okay, whatever you ask, you re? Let's try it one more time. You can do it. Come on, by faith. Whatever you ask, you re? All right, oh, finally, thank God we got that one. Robin, that took a minute right there. Come on. Well, if you ask yourself, why do these people never see my value? Why don't they ever love me the way I want to be loved? Why do they overlook me? Why am I not seen? Why am I not promoted? How many know you're going to ask a lot of bad questions? You're going to get a lot of bad answers. Anybody ever been there before? You can talk yourself into depression. The devil's nowhere near you. Come on. You're in Alexandria, and he's in the middle of Cuba messing with somebody. He's one place. He can only be in one place at one time. But you put yourself in a bad state by the question you ask. What if you ask yourself a question? Who could I bless tonight? Would that change your experience here? You said, who could I lift up tonight? Who could I bring hope to? Who could I encourage? How could I use what I have to be more, make more? Who could I use to, what could I use in my life to improve somebody? Who needs diapers in here? Who needs a change in their life? Who, why, how you know you ask a better question, you get a whole set of different answers. How can I be more valuable? Don't be paralyzed by what you don't have. That is really good. Most, listen, that's a good one right there. Write that down, Ben. I'm going to use that in a book. 
Jim Thorpe, who won the Olympics, he showed up. Somebody stole his, his running shoes. He had to go to a trash can. He found a woman's shoe and a man's shoe. One that, that not, wasn't his size. They were both too small. One was like yellow and the other one was like green. And he put them on. They did not fit. He ran and won four gold medals. He said, I could not be paralyzed by what was stolen from me. I had to use what was available to me. And what was available to me gave me the opportunity to run my race. Come on, somebody. Why don't we use, as Pastor been tre- teaching, training for rating, use what's available to you. What about loving aggressively? We talked that about tomorrow. How many love can conquer any addiction? Let love begin with you. Set the tone. Ask yourself this question. What's the main feeling I want to cultivate in my relationships? Oh, wait, I'm just going to hope it works out. Hope's a really good motivator, horrible strategy. You know how many people I've seen at the altar? I hope we got a good marriage. And they have no strategy, and they destroy it. Two wonderful, loving people. How many know if you started having a strategy? Here's the main feeling I want to cultivate. Joy, passion, excitement. Love. How many know you'd be so much more engaging? Come on, you give a better experience. Anybody want to have a richer experience relationally? What about speaking aggressively? Well, brother, does that mean you're one of them name it, claim it people? No, I'm not, but I do believe you have to name it if you are going to claim it. I've never seen somebody not have a vision that didn't work for it to get it. Come on, somebody. They have to claim it at some level. Jesus always never talked about the cross without talking about the resurrection. Most people talk about their death and their agony, not their victory and their success on the other side of it. Come on. That's why they get stuck in the death, not in the life. Man, do you feel me for a minute? Speak. Do you know 85% of your emotions come from the words you speak? Do you know there's 225,000 words in the, United, in the American Dictionary, and 25 of them, 25,000 of them are emotional words to heighten your emotions, and most of our rep- repertoire of words we use emotionally on an average week is between 8 and 12 words out of the 25,000 to change our physical state. What if you woke up tomorrow morning and you go, oh my gosh, I feel ecstatic. Come on, your spouse would be like, come out, Freddy Krueger, come out. You didn't even believe in deliverance. Now you did. Come on, somebody. You'd be calling the pastor. Pastor Rhonda, sick him. What if you woke up and said, I feel majestic? What if, how, how weird would that be? Because it's totally not going to happen. But let's just say this for a minute. How wild would it be if you turn on CNN, we all tune in at 70 more in the morning tomorrow, okay? We're all going to go to fake news. We're going to turn it on and Fox at the same time, both fake news sessions, okay? And we turn them on, and they go, oh, my gosh, a flipping miracle's happened today. The sun's come out. It's a miracle. It rotated around the earth. It's not too close to burn you up today, not too far where you freeze. It's a miracle. Today's going to be an incredible day. How many know we would all feel really good about our lives? And listen, let us, let, let, not letting them tell us about how bad fentanyl is. We've heard it. Come on. Not tell us how bad that there's 85,000 kids missing in America right now from what we brought over and they're running amok and they're being stolen. Oh, did you see that? You just went from laughing and happy just by my words to, oh. Maybe your words can change the atmosphere of your life. The mouth of the upright shall deliver them. Watch how powerful. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth. Watch how powerful it is. Do you know that I go through some different, um, tomorrow when I go on the airplane, and I leave in the middle of the night tonight, I gotta go to uh, Georgia, I gotta go to Arizona, wherever else I'm going for the next couple weeks. But where I, when I go, they scan my eyes and I walk right through. 
I've done stuff with the government where they, they can scan my eyes, and my eyes are different than 9 billion people on the planet, and I walk right through, and I've got to wait in those long lines. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. How many know your fingerprint when you go get a license identifies you? But there's another level of access that you can get, and that's different, is your voice print. Most people never heard. Your voice has a distinction that nobody else has. When I spoke for the Pentagon, they have a certain thing where you can only be recognized in a certain levels of access and clearance when you use your voice. Your fingerprint won't get you there. Your eye print won't get you there. But when you speak, there's no one that's got the same address and voice print that registers on the earth like your voice. That's why the enemy tries to get you quiet by speaking, not speaking God's word. Watch how powerful this is. Because when you speak God's word, it's your address in the spirit world, and either angels will come to your assistance or demons will come to work against you. Daniel 10, 12, the Bible says this, that Daniel, the Bible says, angels came because of the words he spoke, not the prayer he prayed. Hebrews 1, 3 says, God upholds all things by the word of his power. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say the power of his word, but the word of his power. Why? Because if it's the power of his word, it's only powerful when God speaks it. But if it's the word of his power, this thing is as powerful in God's mouth as it is in my mouth. And that when I begin to speak God's word, his angels that only do his will will come to begin to work God's word in my life. I don't know about you. I want God's word to work for me and my family. I want to look over my daughter and say, you're blessed by God. You're the head and not the tail. You're going to be mighty, Psalm 112.3. You're going to be mighty, Kieran you're going to be a mighty dreamer, a mighty lover, a mighty mama, a mighty wife. You're going to be a powerful leader in the world. How I many of that's going to change the atmosphere in my home? The woman, the issue of blood, she says, when I touch Jesus, I'll be healed. When I touch Jesus, I, when I touch Jesus I'll be healed. She spoke her way to victory. Woo! Watch how powerful. You can even give your way into a miracle. Oh, I don't believe that. I'm not talking about here's send $10,000 on the Christian TV network and I'm going to send you some oil from Jerusalem. You put that on your head, come on somebody, and it's going to make your hair grow. Come on, I would have taken it if it did work. Come on somebody. Come on, I'll holler back right there. I feel you, brother. Come on, hey. Watch out, Farrell. There's a guy, Lonnie Anderson. I'm going to end in this real quick. Lonnie Anderson, he was a comedian. He wanted to be a comedian. had aspirations to be a comedian, funny guy on TV. He was in Iowa, not too far, and he was in Iowa, and he was sitting there, and he watched Eddie Murphy come into his little coffee shop with his people. His people were like, this is the weirdest thing. What's Eddie Murphy, the comedian at this time, why is he walking in, just did Beverly Hills Cop, why is he coming into this little coffee shop? And so he tells the wait, the, uh, his waiter, he goes, hey, I want to pay for him and his guy's meals. He goes, do you know him? And he goes, no, 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 I want to be a comedian one day. And I just want to be, be able to sow and give into this guy's work because if I can sow toward it, maybe it will come back toward me. So he says, I'm going to buy the guy's meal. Don't tell him I did it. So he bought Eddie and his posse, his whole meal. He left and just didn't say anything. The next day he gets a call, and it's Eddie Murphy on the other line. And he goes, uh, is this the guy that bought my meal? And he goes, yeah, who gave you my number? He goes, I got it from the people at the restaurant. He goes, I told him not to say anything. He goes, I know, that's why I'm calling you. He goes, I bet you get all the time, Stacey. He goes, I bet you get all the time people buy your meal. Eddie Murphy goes, in fact, this is the very first time in my whole entire life anybody's ever bought me a meal in my life. 
He goes, why did you do that? He goes, man, I just look from afar and I have admiration for what you do. I have admiration for your career and hopefully one day, you know, I can be able to have my own comedy thing. And he goes, well, are you busy right now? He goes, I'm just working a menial job. He goes, well, why don't I create an own part for, a, for you in a movie called Coming to America? I'm filming right now. Anybody ever see Coming to America with Arsenio Hall? He's the white guy that worked at McDonald's. Come on, somebody. And he became a household name. He just passed away about a year ago. But he had his own residence in Las Vegas, Nevada, as a comedian. But he sewed, and when he sewed, it unlocked a door that changed things in his life. How many know when you give aggressively, it can change your life? Some of you don't even believe that. Oh, my gosh, they just want your money. Really? You think that's what really, really Really, that's what people want is your money? I don't think so. I just know that life expands for a person that's generous and it shrinks for the one that's stingy. How do you know? Because I've lived it. When I held onto it, come on. But when I give it away, give it away, give it away, why I love it. What happens? It multiplies. When I put something in God's hand, it don't stay the same. I love to give. Don't have just a vision for what you want to get. Have a vision for how much you want to give. Do you do that? Me and my wife do that. Every year we increase how much we tithe. Is that a place of pride? No, it's a place of honor. You blessed us enough, I want to give back more. Not just tithe, but how we are generous to other people. We can buy diapers for people. Come on, we can help people. We've given cars away. We've done different things. Why? It's the best feeling in the world when you got enough and you can hook somebody else up. Am I talking about having millions? of? No, I'm not. I'm talking about having so much in your life that you can give it away freely, and it's a privilege to give to other people. It's a privilege to give to God. Anybody with me in this thing? It's a privilege to build the kingdom of God. Watch, and I'm going to end right here. You can become a miracle. Lazarus became such a miracle, people came to see him. I remember a friend of mine, she was a, holly, she was a madam in San Francisco. She had her own prostitution ring. And she was a friend of mine. <laughs> that sounds really good. She came to me and she came to our office after a business event and she said I was gonna drive my car off a cliff because I've been so tormented. But she said, uh, she goes, what can I do to change my life? And we started talking to her, my wife and I started talking to her, loving on her. And she went home and she fired all of her prostitutes that worked for her. She did all, she went radical. And people started calling, going, what happened to you, girl? She goes, I received Christ in my life. I've started to believe the Bible. Things are changing before. She's become a miracle. People get around her, they're like, who are you? She goes, I'm a miracle. They go, I know, like, you ain't the same person. She goes, I'm not. That person died. I became, people used to come to see Lazarus, not just Jesus. They wanted to see Lazarus. How awesome would it be when you get to heaven? Come on. Once you shoot through your pearly gates, you go, take me to Lazarus' house. Come on, I want to hang with Laz. Come on, somebody. Because Laz hung out with, like, Jesus, come on, at, like, Thanksgiving. They were friends. Come on. That had to be awesome, by the way. I don't know about you. That would be awesome. There's certain people in the Bible I want to meet when I get to heaven. I want to hang out with Bartimaeus. I want to hang out with the rascals. Come on. I don't want to hang out with all the, good, the goody two-shoes. I want the strugglers. Those are my crew. Come on. Come on. I want to hang out with the thugs of the Bible. I don't know. Maybe you got it all like, oh, my gosh, I just want to be with the angels on the clouds. Come on. Not me, I want to be with the homies, come on. The people that broke addictions, the people that got healed, that woman with the issue of blood that everyone threw rocks at her, but she refused to give up until she touched Jesus. I want to be with that guy. I want to be with Bartimaeus when his stone dad told him to shut up when he was crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He kept going even the more, come on. He had persistence. He goes, I ain't letting this moment pass until you can get to a place where you can release miracles. You receive by believing, receiving, you can become a miracle. Why do you need to become a miracle? Someone say become a miracle. 
And I got him to finish right here. You got to become a miracle. You know, eagles reinvent themselves every year. They take another eagle. They don't mess around with a. They don't mess around with a pigeon. They don't want a pigeon to poop on them. Come on, somebody. They don't want a vulture to feed on trash. They go take another eagle. And it's interesting. If you ever go study history, they'll take one eagle and they'll go to a rock, and the other eagle will watch the ugly eagle's back. And in this process, it will pull out all 40,000 feathers because over the year, they've accumulated dust and dirt, and they know if they don't reinvent themselves, their wings or their, excuse me, their feathers will give off a whistling sound. So when they go to get their prey, their prey will get away because they'll hear them coming too far, and they're not as stealth. So an eagle will go and begin to pull out all 40 feathers. It's a painful process, but necessary for the eagle to operate at its optimum. Once it pulls out, now he's completely bloody. It's interesting. He dives into the water. Isn't it interesting? the water is the word the Bible says and when an eagle dives in the water it begins to heal its skin then he sits on a rock which is awesome because the rock always talks about Jesus in the Bible he'll sit on the rock and when he sits on the rock his feathers regrow over the next 23-24 days and then the other eagle will do it they'll go in the air, they'll kiss and they'll meet back 9-10 to 10 months from that time and they'll do it every how many know for an eagle to operate at its optimum Come on. Well, other, well, other animals that fly in the air they hide in the storm, not an eagle, they use those thermal winds and go to the whole next level. They can actually go 10,000 feet more than another eagle when there's a storm. Well, that's why the Bible refers to you as a lion and an eagle. God refers to himself as a lion and an eagle. Why? Because when you're a miracle and you're abiding in him, you're sitting on the rock, come on, you're letting things get off of you, you can become a miracle to the point where you can give miracles away. Really? Can it work? Can it really, really work? And I'll use the story and I end with... I was this story. There was a guy the other night in Georgia back, oh, maybe about five, four months ago. I was in a meeting. And this guy walked in with a walker. And he was struggling. And I felt the Lord say, like, go after it. Okay, what do you want me to do? I'm having this thought in my head while I'm in front of all these people. Throw his walker. Uh-uh. I ain't stupid. I was a professional athlete. I have really good friends. Come on. Why am I going to throw someone's walker? And his wife's like, pray for my baby. Pray for my baby. He can't walk. He was in an automobile accident. And there was two really uh, recognizable people leading the music that night. And I felt Jesus say, be a servant. Throw his walker. That was the devil. Come on, somebody. I don't want to do that. It's definitely not my voice. The devil don't want that guy to get healed. I'm like, oh, shoot, I hope this works. In my head, I said, I hope this works. It's either the start of something good or the end of something great. Come on, somebody. I grabbed that dude's walker. I did it. I probably don't tell any of my business friends that I did it, but I did it. I grabbed that walker. He was like, you just threw my walker. And he goes, what do I do? I go, you don't got a choice tonight. You're getting healed tonight. You ain't walking out the same way. I'm not cool with you going back to your crib, having all kinds of pain throughout your body, and their gout's being healed, and this, and he starts crying, how'd you know about this, 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 this? And all of a sudden, dude, he got took off, and this guy started running. He hadn't been in church lifting his hands, I don't think, ever in his life, but he got that Holy Ghost type thing running, he's running across, praise the Lord, come on. I think he had an F word every once in a while in there, too. This is awesome, come on. And they turn the whole meeting upside down, one after the other, bam, bam, bam. And I remember that night, oh my goodness, God turned it around.